Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, my name's Liam from Kingsland, and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, now with children's TV becoming more diverse, will we get to a point where black people won't get mistaken for one another? Here comes the show from Crashing Everything. Hello everybody and welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast where myself, comedian, writer and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka The Hizzer, Hello. and a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked and we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Liam from Kingsland's question. Now with children's TV becoming more diverse, will we get to a point where black people won't be mistaken for one another? Uh, no. Yeah, I think it's the answer. Is it all right, Jane? That, that people will constantly be racially blind and make those mistakes. I'd hate to think that is the case. I feel like um, mistakes will be made, but um, I think we'll get to the point where uh, I'd rather work towards the point where black people become uh, unmistakable and undeniable. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, well. That's the way to go. But in the meantime, just uh, go on YouTube or something, Liam. But, um... yeah. And uh, Liam, thanks for your question. And suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. Uh, no question is too big, too small, or too diverse, or too homogenous. And if you do like the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts, or follow us on Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and you'll never miss an episode. We're going to get all of our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a broadcaster, actress, columnist, and canal boat captain. She is best known for her roles in Coronation Street, Doctor Who, The Guilty, and Father Brown. And she can be seen as a regular panelist on This Morning, where she discusses politics and current affairs on The Morning View, as well as taking part in debates on Talk TV, where she has her own show, BBC News, and Good Morning Britain. Since 2018, she has written a weekly column for The Metro, covering topics such as mental illness, women's rights, social justice, and her hometown of Blackpool. What? Well, we'll discuss that first of all. Please welcome... Blackpool native Nicola Thorpe. Hi, thanks for having me. Was what that a surprise fuck, then? Yes, yes. Yeah. You didn't I'm mention black- that once for me. The first time I met you, you didn't mention that at all. I feel like that's sarcasm because I feel like I do drop it in a lot that I'm from Blackpool. You no. definitely didn't. No. Amazing. No, I'm Blackpool born, born and bred. My parents run a rock factory so they make Blackpool rocks they put <laughs> yeah <laughs> that is that is the, you yeah. don't get any more Blackpool than that but if I was to my Jewish mother's just bringing me a bowl of chicken soup I mean Jesus Christ <laughs> well, you, well, you, it won't help you to say Jesus Christ in front of your Jewish mother <laughs> say thank you no to be fair it's good soup exactly <laughs> I bet it's great soup made with love mm. well yeah Nicola if I was going to think of a a uh, where you could exist in Blackpool, it would have to be the heir to the Blackpool Rock Empire. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I've lost my accent somewhat, but um, if you, yeah, if you hear me five minutes after I've come off the phone to my family, then it's a very, very thick Northern accent. Go on, give us a bit of the accent if you do, if you went back. Let's generate it. Go on. Generate it. Okay. What well, would just be? 
Uh, hi, love. How are you doing? I got right. really, really nasal like that. So oh, yeah, I talk there it is. about yeah, glass and bath and past and going to the beach. That's that Lancashire you've changed, draw. Yeah, you've changed significantly. I, my whole personality has changed. I know. I've got it all drilled out of me in drama school. That's a shame. That mm. is a shame. That's a shame. What's your favourite type of rock? This isn't my question, but being that this is new information for me. Ooh, What's so we do lots of various flavours. They do a crazy flavour range. So they'll do garlic bread. Um, oh, my God. Chicken tikka masala, <laughs> pizza, um, unicorn poo. It's quite tasty. It's got glitter in it. Um, so that's a good one. My least favourite is aniseed because the way wow. that aniseed rock is... You know, aniseed is always like a brown colour. Yeah. The reason for that is because it's a mix of all the different... Um, Poos. Well, it's all the, all the different flavours put into one boiling. Basically, any mistakes they make in the factory, they chuck it into a cauldron. And aniseed's the strongest flavour, so it overpowers every other flavour. Therefore, the um, the mix of all the colours makes it brown. So it's it, aniseed reject flavour. Aniseed is very much a reject flavour, and it's disgusting. It's so strong. And now someone has finally said it, that we can all just move on. <laughs> there needs to be no more back and forth. Aniseed is basically crap, <laughs> and then actual crap is licorice. <laughs> And I refuse to discuss it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Nicola, I think it's important before we get on with the show just to talk about the fact that um, it, would you are you in a are you in a relationship? You, you, I think you probably are. Yes, I am. Yeah. So, would you be willing to give up that relationship and move back to work in the Rock Factory to do a show called Love on the Rocks, um, where you, you know you, you you date people who come to work at the factory? Yes. He's Great. dumped. That sounds Great. like an amazing idea. But we could have like some sort of coupling ceremony at the top of the tower. Great. Great. I'll mm. call ITVB after this. <laughs> um, uh, Dane, it's probably time for a question as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. Let's just get the taste of aniseed out of our mouths. <laughs> Not eating it, just fucking saying it. Yeah. Now that we've gotten that disgusting taste out of our mouths, Miss Nicola Thorpe, as our very esteemed guest, we'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you'd like, which Howard and I would like to discuss with you for about 15 minutes. And then my producer friend Howard would also like to pose a question to you for we discuss for us to discuss about the same amount of time. Then in a surprising twist, much like the rocks in your factory, I'd like to ask you a question, which is discussed for about a quarter of an hour. And then we would love for you to tell our listeners and viewers so they can find out about your good works, past, present and future, and a seed free. How does that sound? <laughs> That sounds fantastic. Shall I hit you with my question then? Yes, please. Bring it on. Okay, here we go. How do we talk with men about Andrew Tate's brand of misogyny? Uh-huh. And and before we dive in, where where have you been on the journey about and how do you feel about what has gone on with this man? And, and obviously his his actions and what he says has inspired this question, obviously. Yeah, it has. But I think more troublingly, it's the response to it. And I've known about this guy for a long time. I've known about all the accusations that have been um, put against him. I've known about his denials of those accusations. But now what we're seeing is because he has been arrested and because more evidence is coming to light, rape accusations, human trafficking, sex trafficking, seeing a big divide with big old confessions on voice notes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that he, you you know, he's as good as admitted to the the crimes that he's accused like El Chapo of being like you know what i love cocaine <laughs> yes precisely he's 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 spoken quite explicitly about that online in the past but what's happening now is 
men, and it is majority men, and some uh, powerful women within his circles are saying, this is all a lie. This is a conspiracy theory. This is the matrix trying to get revenge on him. Everyone else is lying. And it's really brought to light how brainwashed so many of his followers are. And I'm talking about like the the core group of his followers, because there are people who subscribe to his theories and they pay $50 a month to be at his um, university. 110,000 people. Yeah, it's it's outrageous, the, the kind of reach that he has. But then looking also at the younger men who follow him on TikTok, or not necessarily him, but other people who share his content on TikTok and seeing them at such a young age go, this is all part of a conspiracy. Like, I don't think I was aware of what a conspiracy theory really truly was when I was 11 years old. But young men are, are talking about it now as if, you know, this is this is their leader. Their leader has been taken down. Um, and it's become so cultish in a way that I've not really um, witnessed before. Dane, dive in, yeah. mate. Well, I mean, I thought you'd dive in first, Howard, because you do have two young men that you are raising in your home. Mm. So it would be very uh, important. I do this episode, uh, this show. Uh, ev- we do this every week, Nicola, and thanks to all our listeners who, who tune in, old and new. Uh, and we've been nearly doing 200 episodes. And, and you can imagine, sometimes we're starting to repeat ourselves. As in, we will talk about subjects in lots of different ways, but sometimes we'll end up covering similar ground, right? You can appreciate that. Sure, yeah. I, I feel like I'm going to repeat myself, and I'm happy to, because basically society has been built in a way that is bollocks because from what I can tell, having watched a woman re- feed with her body to human beings in my house for the past couple of years, that there should be no equality issues. Women should be considered of a higher value to society than men, given that they carry the fucking humans for nine months and then do what they do. And I therefore think these people are like, cavemen idiots who need to be properly taken into like you know like you look at that you know there's people who go to football grounds and then they get you know put into rehabilitation we need to rehabilitate these people it's it they are absolutely delusional in a world unfortunately that is delusional because you still have an absolute part of my language cunt like jeremy clarkson who hasn't been taken off air given his misogynistic views are like his brand so it it, it is it is frightening i do agree but for me i I guess i'm so removed from it now because i've I've witnessed the miracle of my wife for a couple of years that i just look at it and just go well we're just all talk i I don't know what anyone's talking about anymore it's so obvious to me men are lesser (laughs) and that's what you know but do you know what um what tate himself probably and his supporters would say is that they're in no way misogynistic they just believe in traditional values. So they believe that the woman, it, they would agree with everything that you've just said, which is, you know, women are these ethereal beings who deserve protection and support, but their role is as part of a traditional family unit. So Tate would stand there and he has many times saying, I look after all the women that um, I'm in contact with or I have relationships with. I provide them with all of the experiences, the care, the love, the security that they deserve. Yeah. Um, therefore, I'm not misogynistic. Mm, yeah <laughs> and that's when younger boys would go well i don't really know the difference between howard's uh feminism true feminism mm. and andrew tate's faux feminism yeah 
Yeah. How do you how do you pull the plug on that faux feminism, Dave? Well, I think it's uh, the thing is first of all is to not focus on the singularity, and I think that is the problem. Is that Andrew Tate is just one figurehead among many now who have been able to co-opt and weaponize and for the purposes of monetizing this new red pill narrative or ideology that we're seeing, particularly in digital media. I think the issue isn't just about somebody like Andrew Tate. It's what Andrew Tate represents. Like for me, he's no different to a Elon Musk or a uh, Donald Trump, who is another populist who um, essentially uh, essentially is being able to spin a false narrative to young, impressionable and vulnerable. And in some cases, very marginalized men who have found themselves on the outsides of, I'd say, contemporary capitalism or what they perceive to be the new social fabric that's been woven. Um, I think the one of the big issues is that uh, the values that we have uh, taught and disseminated amongst young men in terms of the positive indicators of their masculinity are massively flawed. And I think those initially have to be addressed uh, before anything else. One of the main things I would say would be uh, the fact that young men are still incul- inculcated with the idea that their worth or their masculine worth is rooted in sexual conquest and uh, capital gain. Um, because if we remember how Andrew Tate was apprehended in the first place, it was because for some reason he felt the need to uh, brag to Greta Thunberg about his collection of vehicles, which is a very strange thing because... First of all, like in any tradition, as we refer to in this whole paradigm of cisgender men and women, having something and knowing you're securing having it means that you never really need to talk about it. You know, exactly. There are a number of sound bites you could probably get from Usain Bolt, but very rarely does he have to be like, you know, I'm the fastest guy in the world, you know, I've run faster than anybody. If you race me, I'm always going to win because <laughs> the proof has always been in the pudding. So it definitely speaks to the inferiority complex that Andrew Tate must have been dealing with to tell Greta Thunberg, who herself does not control the climate nor the environment, but then to brag to her that you have a collection of sports cars, including the Bugatti, which any real car aficionado knows is a waste of fucking money. Yeah. <laughs> He's also, had them all seized, by the way, a couple uh, of and, days and, ago. And, and who buys one in brown? <laughs> aniseed lovers right. I bet he loves I, want, I want my car to look like the uh, inside of a public toilet bowl is not what men who are heads of industry say number one um, but yeah uh, in all seriousness I really think that it's the issue has been that uh, we have this uh, patriarchal capitalism which is still uh, used to indoctrinate younger people so that they can still covet wealth and covet well, material gain in a world where we are seeing dwindling resources and the economic and social landscape has changed. Like even these men that yearn for a more traditional uh, social structure have to understand that that's just no longer a possibility. So I guess uh, concisely, I'd say that these cultists, like all cultists, just need a dose of reality. And that reality is that the system which has suggested to you images of hyper masculinity and that these are in and material indicators of success have always lied to you and that as we continue to evolve socially we're gonna have to find new ways to define our manhood and there is nothing wrong yeah, go ahead I was say, Nicola, do you, how do you 
feel is the best approach to kind of battling this rhetoric that we're talking about? Well, it, it is a battle, isn't it? It is. And there's a reason why I, I phrased the question in the way that I did. Um, because, Dane, you're absolutely right. It's not, you take away Andrew Tate, someone else will just replace him. It isn't just Andrew Tate. He's become well, yeah, this if you, if you look at figurehead. The, the Western world, if you look at the hegemony in the Western world, the uh, Anglo-American empire, over the last half decade, the two populist leaders we've had, or you could argue like Boris Johnson, who wasn't democratically elected, uh, Donald Trump, who was elected during the lowest vote turnout in American history, are two men who are known, A, for being nepotistic, nepo babies. They're known for uh, their lack of prowess in any occupation they've ever had. They're known for their belligerence and their uh, mistreatment of women. And uh, they're known for being able to cover over or reduce their failures. Now, we have to ask ourselves as a society, if the men at the proverbial top of the food chain behave in this way, how can we not expect it to disseminate and have a trickle-down effect to young men where we don't provide any kind of reprimand or recourse for the people who are arguably leading our society for displaying the same toxic behaviours. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on, which is why I think it's so important not just to talk about misogyny as yeah. a whole, but specifically Tate's brand or somebody like him and their brand of misogyny, which is to say, I am not a misogynist. Look at all these things. Look at this traditional lifestyle that I have set up for myself, which is complete bollocks. I hope I can swear. Sorry. It's yeah, complete bollocks because like. he essentially set up a, a webcam business for women and he does drop shipping on Amazon and he gets vulnerable men to pay him um, a yeah. subscription in order to teach him his his bullshit teachings. And yes, he has a shit-coloured Bugatti. Um, but it's yeah. that, it's the way in which he is marketing himself. And it's you're right, all, all populist figures have yeah. have done this in one way or another. But I, 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 it also crosses into so many other aspects of life because I, and forgive me here because this might be a, a bit of a reach, I... F- have seen it within other non-traditional or non-mainstream communities. So even with the yoga community or the Reiki community, it's this idea of like, they they essentially are saying very similar things to what Tate's saying. You need to break away from capitalism. Oh, not, not capitalism, sorry. You break away from the nine to five. The system. You break what away they refer from to the, the system. system. Yeah. Yeah, this, the, matrix. the system. By the way, yeah. if you're listening, the Matrix came out in 1999. So why people are still talking about it, I don't know. And if you're trying to resurrect the Matrix, I would encourage you to watch Matrix Resurrections and you will see why you should never resurrect such franchises. Anyway, Nicola, (laughs) please carry on. But why anybody would still want to talk about the Matrix after the Matrix 4, where even Keanu didn't want to be in that shit. (laughs) Precisely. That's the real truth. Even he didn't want to be in that shit. Like There was even a part in the film where they were like, listen, whether or not you're involved, this film still goes ahead. And that line was in there for a reason. So it speaks to me that people who are still making Matrix references in 2023 um, really really speaks about the fact that they're very clearly, given 23 years is about the average age of like a generational gap, that uh, people feel so despondent with the current state of things that they feel they want to unplug. Well, anyone who genuinely adheres to that concept of separating from a system would understand that Mm. just buying a shitload of nice cars in the midst of austerity isn't really solving the problem. Because if yeah. you are analysing that, anybody would understand, in order for you to be rich, there has to be poor people. And so any kind of egalitarian state or equal state where all the followers of these tenants will all enjoy material wealth just doesn't work. Because if that's the case, that you could all be rich and all have a fleet of cars, then having a fleet of cars doesn't make any fucking difference. 
Because that's the yeah. idea is that you are acquiring these things in order to show them as an indicator of your success. But if everyone has them, how successful are you really? Yeah. Like to us, footballers are a big deal. But, you know, because you, you form less than 1% of the population. But when you're in a changing room, the other 10 people don't give a fuck. Yeah. And you, I, you touched upon this theme, I think, in one of your recent podcasts. I think it was with Rick Edwards. The, mm. the concept of is meritocracy overrated? Uh-huh. And it's like, I think I see Tate pushing the ideal of a meritocracy, ultimately, which is if you work hard enough, you train hard enough, you open these opportunities to yourself, good things will happen to you. And I, I really love the idea of a meritocracy. In theory, I like part of what that ideal that he's pushing, but he's doing it in a way that is unmeritocratic. And it, it's just a pyramid scheme that places him directly at the top yeah. whilst he's spouting these kind of, you know... Exactly. And things. that works because there are people out there who feel uh, so marginalised and so despondent. And also, we live in a world where I would argue as well, uh, some of the... Uh, old mechanisms that have guided human behavior and kind of been the uh, dictator of our evolution or the way that we uh, move as a society, those have become irrelevant over the years. Like with the rising proliferation of technology, it means that, you know, being able to galvanize and direct people through theological belief like religion doesn't really happen anymore. And so we have a lot of people that are searching for life's meaning. And unfortunately, they're going down the rabbit hole onto social media looking for somebody to guide them because, you know, I'd go so far as to say you have a whole generation of uh, young men who probably don't have positive male models because they're, those males have been deprived of spaces where they can maybe express themselves emotionally, been able to nurture their emotional intelligence or just been so busy at fucking work trying to make ends meet. They haven't been able to observe a human connection so they can provide a uh, nurturing dialogue to their children. That can be part yeah. of the problem as well. So I'd say Andrew Tate is an issue, just to kind of wrap it up for me, we need to talk about Andrew Tate the same way we talk about all regressive ideology and damaging ideology in the same way that we speak to young women who have been, had their minds perverted through um, talk about, and which is precipitated in like eating disorders, is that we need yeah. to be able to reconnect with our youth and with more vulnerable and more receptive minds and find out what their needs are, where they feel despondent, where they are feeling neurotic and anxious and begin a conversation uh, for the reclamation of people's humanity outside of all of the external, uh, I suppose, stimuli that people are looking for for meaning. Yeah, well said, mate. And uh, it was a great question, Nicola. Thanks for bringing it to the show. That's a pleasure. Do you know, I, I often get sick of hearing his name and roll my eyes at him. But when I found myself coming up with a question, I didn't want to omit his name because I think that that is prob- part of the problem is when you don't actually label it for what it is exactly what I do what I do Nicola is I just talk about Tristan what do you do Tristan you don't do nothing you're supposed to be a fucking man all you do is follow around your little brother like a bitch why don't you do something Tristan Andrew does stuff he lives parasitically off of the prostitutes he forced to be on his webcam what do you do Tristan apart from gel your fucking hair I never see you do no kickboxing you little bitch what are you gonna do get your brother he's in prison bitch that's what I do yeah, well, well, well said. Well said. And if, uh, listen. Your dad was uh, a You're not tough. Your dad was li- a fucking black chess player. He went in the NFL or the NBA. Your dad plays chess. And you grew up in Luton. You ain't bad, man. Look at your fucking hair, Tristan. You a bitch. We'll be back after this. 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the show. And uh, obviously get in touch, Tristan, if you want to uh, answer Are you that dumb bitch? No, I'm always out in these streets. You or your fans won't do nothing, bunch of um, bitches. But just be- before we move on to that next, the next question, <laughs> uh, I was going to say... <laughs> Don't speak to them like that. It's probably a bad idea. But yeah, no, listen, <laughs> It's fine. Uh, listeners, if you, if you feel strongly about the Andrew Tate thing... Get in contact with us on social media on DBQE Pod, and um, we'd be interested to hear from you. I'm sure you'll be here hearing a lot more about this as the years roll on. And um, my question this week, guys, uh, Nicola, you don't know know me very well, I imagine. Uh, you're not, I'm not, I, imagine you I know listened. you through the I know you through the podcast. Yeah, but you haven't listened to 200 <laughs> hours of it, I imagine. So you, you know, not you, all of them. Yeah, it'd be, I mean, it'd be remarkable if you did. Um, but uh, you know. I mean, I was ill last week. Dane knows because I missed the episode you recorded, mate. I hope it sounded good. Uh, uh, and uh, then it was also on January. It was um, it was because we're recording this in January. And it, yesterday was the, apparently the most miserable day of the year. Blue Monday, they call it. I saw everyone tweeting about this and stuff. So my question is a bit of a general one, really. Ugh, what's the point? <laughs> what's the fucking point? <laughs> what's the fucking point? <laughs> Oh, I mean, you know, God, you just look at it at times and just go, you know, like it took me to defrost the car. I mean, oh, I just can't. Honest. Can you be bothered, Nicola? Can you be bothered? Uh, I just want to try and dispel the myth of Blue Monday. It was a marketing, (laughs) a marketing ploy set up by travel companies that wanted people to trick themselves into thinking that they were depressed. And of course, they are cold and Christmas is over and then trick them into buying holidays abroad so don't worry you're just a victim of uh of travel marketing can i sue am i allowed to sue or um no you're allowed to sue (laughs) (laughs) you can you can give it a go and there'll be a lawyer that will take your case the case of cohen versus butlins is uh i don't go to butlins guys i'm sure you're aware All right, um, what? No, I just, I just wouldn't want me there. I just wouldn't be fun enough. I, would, I must be working in Butlins in a few years, please. <laughs> Butlins is great, and they've really cornered the the kind of noughties, nineties market. A lot of older like, people go to Butlins now. What is that, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Butlins. No, it's not. <laughs> um, uh, Go on, so your, your question is just what is the point? Well, go on for you. I mean, you know, I mean, first of all, I'm sure you, you feel that way at times, right? You just be like, oh, I fuck, do. I mean, I've this, felt eh? it. I've felt it kind of on a mood. 
basis and mm. I felt it on like a clinical basis. I had like clinical depression years ago and that I think that's when I really hit the point of like, actually, what is the point? And I may as well not be here. That was probably the moment at which I went, oh, now I see everything that is worth living for mm. and everything that is worth, um, yeah, experiencing and being alive to to witness. Um, for me, the point, fam- family's a big one for me. I'm very, mm. very close to my to my mum and dad and my brother. And no matter what I do in life or where I go, I always think about um, the experiences that I want to give them mm. because of how many experiences they gave me growing up. Um, rock, and, rock-based and not non-rock-based. Well, yeah, I grew, up, I grew up in like Willy Wonka's factory and it doesn't look like that no. at all. Um, but... I grew more up hairnets. from... I'd imagine. A <laughs> lot, lot more, lot more lot, hairnets. And, and less restrictions on the height of the workers, I imagine. Uh, yeah. You'd be surprised. You would be surprised. Um, a lot more tooth decay. Um, mm. People in the factory have to have their teeth checked every six months because there's too, so much sugar in the atmosphere. Uh, oh it can rot your God. teeth just by breathing it in. Um, but back to what's the point. I don't know, but that is what keeps me going. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, it, it, it's a good answer, family. I think uh, I think that a lot of people would say. I think a lot of people would say that because I, I, I reason you know it's not just the Blue Monday thing, which as we know is is not true. You know, it's, it's, yeah. But that when you're ill, and, and you know, I'm not I'm not moaning, Dane, Nicola, listeners, but like I'm, I, I mean, got we're ill. Fine with, we're, we're fine with moaning, Howard. That's the thing. I mean, I like, got ill on I got ill on a Tuesday, right? Like properly ill on a Tuesday. I wasn't better till Sunday. That's a long time when you're in bed and I've got kids and it's like bullshit. And I, I have to say, you know, I'm generally an energetic guy. Dane knows me. I'm an energetic guy. I've got loads of energy for my job, my life, people, whatever. You have no energy. And and I just feel like, honestly, it's like you just lie there. Just feel, you know, I finished The Walking Dead. That was a waste of fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. watch the watch, watch the new M Night Shyamalan film. I don't know why he's still going. You know, which one? Which one? <sighs> Old. Fuck me. That's oh, that is choppy waters. He's in there. I mean, obviously, it is water, <laughs> quite water based as a film. Uh, but uh, I mean, you know, nothing tastes good. You know, because you can't really eat. Uh, sleep's ruined. Uh, what's the? Po- I mean, you know what I mean. Well, here's you, the question, you, Howard. Here, here's the question, well, you, Howard. Yeah, now that on. you've now you've begun the road to recovery, how do I, you feel? Well, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm walking on sunshine. <laughs> I mean, I, no, but I am like, it, it really does. I do really feel this, you know, it's 48 hours or so of it. And I feel really energetic. And like, I mean, if you'd watch me smashing my cross trainer, uh, 6K in 32 minutes, guys, um, you know, I, I, I'm like pump, you know, it's exciting. You know, I, I, I enjoy life. It's good. It's enjoyable. It's just, there, there are those moments. And I imagine this, this must feel it as well, we all do where you're like, <sighs> no, yeah, I'm not sure about this. I'm not really sure about this anymore. But, but we- yeah, I feel, I feel like you answered your own question, Howard, because uh, <laughs> you know, at the at the uh, zenith of the illness, you had the point where you felt those despondent. There was no point, and then fast forward uh, a week later, you're back doing six k. Mum's bringing you chicken soup. Mm. Kids are about to go to bed. Wife's at home, and. I'd like to ask as well, Howard, at the time when you were at the apex of your infection, mm. uh, how many people in your house gave a fuck? Uh, one, the woman I live with, uh, the children, obviously just Dylan, the two-year-old, just, just like, Paw Patrol, mate. Where's Paw Patrol? And I'd be like, yeah. oh, you know, I'll try and put it on for you. 
but you know, it, 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 one person day really. My yeah, wife. and then your mum bought you chicken chicken soup. Yeah. So that's so. I guess that's one to answer the questions is that it's not about how we feel when we are enjoying a fortuitous aspect of our lives or a, a mm. prosperous one. It's a support system that are able to come together and either collectively heal or commiserate when we're feeling like shit. So that can be the point of why you have to have illness or I guess any kind of negative experience is uh, the point is perspective so that you uh, have appreciation when you reach a much more tranquil uh, or more uh, content state. Mm. Um, because were we not to have this sorrow or to have that adversity, you wouldn't be able to appreciate the joy and prosperity when it happens as well. So that's part of the point, I guess. Mm. Yeah. And my answer saying family, I guess that, you know, that's not strictly just genetic family. That's the people, the community, the, even the people that you hate that you have around you who might not hate you so much as to leave you to die in bed, but might actually Mm. (laughs) pull a finger out and bring you some chicken soup. Yeah, yeah, and and also, and, and you know, even even though obviously we are aware that there are some people who may not have the same uh, support systems as ourselves and be able to lean on family when they do feel very despondent. But I guess uh, the point is, you could argue is that for every one of our experiences, is that as a social species, we are able to recant them and uh, develop empathy for anyone else when we see the. Uh, um, we see the expression of those same experiences in other people. Mm. So, you know, uh, another way of phrasing the question would be like, for example, if you get your heart broken all the time, what's the point in falling in love? Mm. Well, if you are discussing uh, the experience of what we argue might be one of the most positive or if not the most positive experience a human being can have, it stands to reason that that pursuit will be fraught with like adversity, difficulties, uh, setbacks, in order for you to fully embrace the uh, the the experience of love when you finally do have it, mm, with yeah. the benefit of the wisdom of experience from all of your negative experiences to be able to positively apply them to the good experience you're having. So that's kind of the point. Like That's why they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Makes you and stronger. that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have your own resilience alone. It also is the strength to be able to tolerate others when they're not necessarily seeing your value or to empower others when they're not necessarily feeling as good as you do, or they feel like you do, and they are questioning what the fuck the point is. So, mm-hmm. might be another I way. I had a quote recently from somebody who said, I asked God for love, but he gave me a troubled person so I could understand what love was. And do you know who quoted that? Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> when it, when, oh, wait, okay, so he when, said, I asked God for love. And, and in he, gave me him, God, he gave me a troubled person so I could understand the benefits of love, basically. And, and who, was that, I, who was that troubled person, I wonder? Exactly. <laughs> mm. Exactly. It, it's interesting because it clearly, clearly it's uh, the Andrew Tate thing is an interesting one to kind of like refer back to again, because I feel like the fact that uh, not everyone is as willing to answer that question to other people of what the point is, a lot of time because we are so self-involved in our own complexes and angst it leaves the space open for ideologues or populists like Andrew Tate to come and answer that question for other people because I guess you know a large amount of his demographic the commonality would be that you know I have been told that this is a truth and this is what I am able to expect as a man and this is not how life has panned out so I wonder what the point is and Mm. what is the point of continuing so if someone's able to then got a carrot above your head and be like the point is you get to have your prowess with women. You get to have all of this opulence and all this wealth. 
And that's the point. But then, you know, I'm sure a lot of those people would argue after a certain amount of time, if you are continuing to have the same experience, surrounded by the same stimuli, and every day you wake up and there's the same nine women in your house, and then you go outside, there's the same nine cars. To any person, by Moore's law, if you see the same thing all the time, you'll become desensitized to it, which clearly must have happened to him as well because he wasn't happy enough being able to experience the esoteric goodness of having his material possessions. He had to go on social media and brag about it to somebody who never even asked him in the first place. Mm. So I guess the question for him was, what the fuck was the point? Because mm. you was clearly doing fine by yourself. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been really interesting hearing you uh, answer this question because it's a big, broad, vague question that doesn't have one clear answer. And uh, I found it very useful. And uh, I would say one thing, which is when I was sick, in the midst of it, um, I did take a lot of, you know, a lot of heart in um, just how fucking good Arsenal were playing at the moment. Um, and uh, <laughs> just wanted to remind everyone of that, because just so you know, this podcast will obviously, you know, age, it, you know, in, in time, and Arsenal may not be playing that well. In, in in X amount of weeks, months, years, but at this exact moment, cool. Now, how some people might ask, some people might ask you if you know that there is the propensity or the possibility of failure, what's the point in even supporting? Well, that that is genuinely how I feel every day of my life with Arsenal and football in in sport. Yeah, that, but I bet you do. Me. I bet I bet you hope you, they do well in spite of all that shit, right? I am I am hooked up to the veins, mate. I have no way out, and I and there you go. I just don't torture my children's life by infecting them with the same virus. And maybe philosophically, that is the answer: is hope. Is that people have to have a certain experience in order for them to ponder and consider an alternate reality where their experience is a lot more fortuitous. And yeah. that's the thing: is that like we might not necessarily know what the point is for everybody because it's always subjective and everyone's experiences. But yeah. I guess with hope, you can at least aspire for a different reality. So well, We definitely know that the point isn't Antonio Conte's negative tactics. But well, that's for another one for another day. Um, uh, Dane, it's over to you for your question, mate. We've had a, a real mix so far. What are you, you going to put in our pipes? Um, well, obviously, Nicola, I've known you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have paid close and keen attention to you proverbially fighting the good fight and being a regular panelist and a debater on a number of, uh, say, right-wing media outlets. Yeah. Mm. Uh, And in many cases, when there is an overarching regressive narrative coming from said media outlets, you kind of exist in a voice in opposition to that. Yeah. And, that tends uh, to be my position. <laughs> yeah, and I can imagine as a result of which you are subject to a lot of backlash and vitriol because of your uh, viewpoint. Um, y- yes. Now, the problem being is that a lot of these outlets, uh, and a lot of them have arisen more recently, I'd say in that the last half decade. Um, whereas I'd say that more left-wing or socialist progressive media hasn't proliferated in the same way which I think is largely down to financial reasons. Because uh, I can only think of like Double Dan News and like Navarra Media as like... Byline, you know, Byline are good as well. Byline um, as well. But yeah, beyond that, it's it's quite difficult to to find a, even left-leaning, I mean, so many people would argue that all the media is 
left wing and the BBC is left wing and all this kind of stuff. And I would obviously yeah, even say, though it's a government funded station and our government is a right wing government. Yeah, exactly. You're dumb, but people, the, you're dumb. <laughs> people are dumb. This is this is what the further the the stations and the the programming that that leans further to the right would have you believe that well have would have some people believe that yeah, um, the BBC is left wing. And that, is, and that is my question is that because we're both aware of how much the media is able to shape uh, uh, the perception or collective perception in society how in your opinion <laughs> do you think if at all uh, left wing slash progressive or liberal media is going to be able to compete with this continued uh, explosion of right wing and populist media outlets Oh, wow. If I knew the I say, answer, I would set up a, if a it station helps, myself. If it helps, it's stuff like, I've had like two shows on the BBC that I wrote myself, created myself, and uh, I can almost never get them to uh, continue with that work. Whereas GB News is always asking me to come on. Yeah. Which I think is kind of a worrying precedent that a right-wing media outlet is happy to indulge me Whereas I can never get on Question Time or QI on the BBC. And I think that it's it's so often about, um, well, I, with, with live TV, so the kind of thing that I do now, which is like broadcast and debating on topical issues. From a drama perspective, it's far more interesting for them to have um, an agenda that's further towards the right. Because I would argue that a left-wing agenda is more likely to be reasonable and... Um, the people who will be engaging in those topics generally will be more fair-minded. Obviously, there's people on the far left that the right-wing stations will so often get on. Nothing does my head in more than seeing an Extinction Rebellion protester or a Just Stop Oil protester. And they've clearly picked, like, for want of a better word, the nutter of the group to bring in the the drama and the clickbait. Um, we brought Poppy Pink Hair on to discuss. Exactly! <laughs> <laughs> exactly! <laughs> Poppy Pinker, you're a woman, aren't you? How fucking dare you? Then yeah, yeah doesn't go great. Exactly, <laughs> exactly that. Um, I, there's so much more controversy on the right, and I think that maybe so many channel execs and producers think that interesting viewing comes from conflict and comes from that kind of drama, rather than on informing and relating to audience members. I, do you know what? I've never. I've never actually had an interaction on Twitter. I get messages all the time sending me all sorts of shit because I've said something literally as basic as, you know, uh, a woman has a right to exist. Like, a woman has a right I, to exist. Can I see some pictures of your feet, please? <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I yeah, had the feet that... <laughs> I had the feet thing. During COVID, the guy sent me 150 quid because I'd posted a picture of my uh, trainers on Instagram. Um, but <laughs> what, what trainers had... were they? Mm. <laughs> they weren't even attached to my feet. Do you know about wiki feet, Dane? You heard about this? I have heard of it, actually. Yeah, uh, women in the public eye have their feet rated on a website called wiki feet. I um, didn't know that there was a rating uh, system. But, there's a rating uh, system. I'm 4.5, I think. I'm doing quite well on out of five. wiki feet. Out of five. Yeah, no, I'm not out of ten. If your feet were Ubers, um, I'd definitely drive them. So <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Very, very good. But um, yeah, the, the the kind of messages that I get are, can be awful. And what I used to do, instead of arguing back with people, I would just follow them on Twitter. Wow. 
And it would be really interesting to see. And I'd, I'm going to say about 80 to 90% of those people would then send me a message saying, oh, hi, never thought you'd see that tweet. Um, I actually don't think you're that bad. Um, like I was just a bit angry and a bit upset and I'm a little bit lonely at the moment because my wife has left me and it, it, it suddenly all of their issues in their personal life would unravel purely because I paid them some attention, which I oh, found fascinating. Well, well you well. know, I guess that's a very positive way of answering the question, what is the point? Because, you know, very clearly, yeah, that's the way of someone crying for help. My wife is gone. I've got nothing to be happy about, nothing to look forward to. And they choose to find someone that they feel uh, personifies their issues. And so they attack a woman on television. But then when they're held yeah. to task, see, when they're held to task, then it's very clear that uh, they don't really internalize the same kind of platitudes they claim to do. Yeah. No. So it's interesting. I, 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 I was going to say as well. The, just, uh, sorry, I'll go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that, you know, we, we, we talk about this right-wing media surge, right? I mean, the, the, the numbers of broadcasters is, if you go to the States, really incredible now. And I think what's even more interesting is that on the left-wing channel, and I would say there's kind of one left-wing channel and then there's some slightly more central channels in PBS and stuff. I mean, they, they probably do appear left-wing, but I, I think CNN is the left-wing. CNN will happily show loads of clips to just laugh at those right-wing uh you know, platforms, right? They, look at the, what the fucking idiots on the other side are saying, you know? Uh, and obviously they do it the reverse. But the, the, the big issue, and if you can think of a solution to this, listeners, please write in. I'd love to hear your answers, listeners, how we solve the idea that you are on the left wing incapable of putting your demands in a clear enough nutshell that enough people will get behind. That said, I'm just going to say that sentence again, right? And I'm I'm not on the left wing. I'm not on the right wing. I'm, I don't know where I am anymore because I find the left wing annoying in the way it works. It doesn't feel like I identify with it because I don't find its message compelling enough. I think the message feels like watering it down. You know, because we, because we, we're aware that we're going to sound extreme. Whereas I think it's time to be extreme. The world is having massive issues with climate change, economy. And we, the left needs to find its its clarity because we look at the right wing, the clarity is we want all the guns. <laughs> you know, in America, it's like we want all the guns. We, we you know, we, we, we want less immigration. We want to pay, you know, it's just, it's just really clear what they're after. And, and I think on the left, I don't think it's very clear anymore. And I, don't I, think it's, I think it's easier to be clear about stuff that's based in a lie so, yeah. oh, that's, a good, um, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it really is simple to go. We need guns because uh, um, this demographic of people are a threat to us. Women are a threat to us. Trans trans ideology is a threat. Um, all this kind of rather than getting into the nuance of things and trying to actually seek the truth, which I feel like happens. Maybe, maybe I'm generalizing here, but happens more on the left. All I'd say no about that is that it's an ideology. No, it, mm. it, it's an ideology as the three of us would agree, we have no interest in getting behind, right? But it is Which an ideology. Right, right-wing ideology. ideology, you mean? Say again? You mean right-wing ideology? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, the kind of stuff that we, Nicola was just talking about, it's, it's definitely mm. a very clear ideology. I mean, all those people that, uh, you know, I've spent hundreds of hours looking at what Trump has done and how it's worked and how it's changed America. And, you know, it, it, this is an ideology people got behind, right? And, and it, it just doesn't feel to me, and I, I do think it's going to come. I've said this on this podcast before. In the next generation or two, you're going to see this thing morph 
from the right wing into the left wing and it's going to capture people's attention like you wouldn't believe because it's going to it's going to sound really communist i think but it won't be communism because communism doesn't exist in the western world <laughs> in that way it'll be a it'll be a morphing into something else but i do think it, that's what's lacking at the moment you look at well people on the left so joe biden keir starmer <laughs> macron i guess is that they didn't, what do they stand? They don't stand for anything that gets me excited, that makes me think they're going to save the world. Well, uh, having spent a lot more time in right-wing spaces, particularly over the past year, um, I would say that those on the right think that they don't really necessarily identify with the fact that what they think is an ideology. Mm. They just think that that's normal. And they would turn to the left and go, well, you're, you're woke. You, you have a very, the left have a very clear ideology in their eyes because everything is about wokedom everything is um all connected like it's it's crazy what people label woke nowadays mm. um as opposed to even like a year ago two years ago this is we probably need to get some of these people on the podcast day eh? <laughs> and we could do it but it'd be a difficult conversation because anytime they can refer to stuff as work but anytime you ask them for a definition of it none of them can ever give you a unified uh-huh. uh theory of wokeism and to be honest woke is a term even i am reluctant or reticent to use because it really is a bastard, a bastardized version of that was for you, Nicola. A bastardized version of Bastard. being conscious, like mm. being conscientious of other human beings or um, the right of other human beings to exist, then pursue, uh, you know, their own civil liberties and prosperity. The problem being is that people that have been weaned on the teat of capitalism have still been waiting for this trickle down effect that's been promised to them by their overlords. And now they're being told that the people that are depriving them of realizing this capitalist dream exist on the left. Because we talk about things like communism, but I would say, you know, to be quite honest, there is no bipartisan political spectrum that exists really. Like you mentioned someone like Keir Starmer, the fact that you are the head of a party that is called fucking Labour and in the midst of mass strikes by actual fucking labourers, you're telling people not to join the picket lines. So... One of the reasons why, Howard, I guess you would say that you feel uh, disconnected from leftist ideology is because you're not really seeing it expressed uh, on mainstream media en masse, you know, because if we were going to really have a left party in the States, for example, there would be no Hillary Clinton as a candidate. It would have been Bernie Sanders. Hmm. Yeah. That's it. Or it would, would have been, been Corbyn over been. here. Or it would, would have been Corbyn over here. But yeah. obviously there are powers that have conspired to remove these people and their rhetoric because I guess... I asked Nicola, and I think as you were speaking, you kind of helped me to understand that uh, news and uh, I guess populist journalism as we see it now is largely uh, the motivation for it and the motivation and I guess the business model for any of these media outlets is to attract advertisers, which yep. means in one form or another, you have to appear to be at the behest of corporate entities and corporate entities do not want to create a uh, climate of egalitarianism or uh, awareness or collective bargaining because that's going to affect their profit margins in the same way that if people if we all collectively discuss the origin of our more recent exploitation and the erosion of some of our civil rights that we achieved in post-war we'd have to really address the issues with austerity and the fact that none of us asked for this shit and yet we're all picking up the tab and seeing the erasure of our human rights and some of the most basic civil services that our predecessors fought for yeah. And I guess, yeah, everyone's trying to avoid having that conversation. But um, I don't know. Well, unless The problem is with, uh, you know, left-wing media is that it too requires investment, even in the form of advertising 
or just direct support in order for it to thrive. But I guess the ideology is that, you know, you don't pay for news that's supposed to lean in favor of somebody. News is supposed to be objective and just tell you what actually happens without any particular agenda. So I guess once we get past the bipartisan political spectrum era, I guess we'll end this, uh, we get over this post-truth era and return to a, I guess, humane era of truth within journalism. So it's going to be the way it is. And I just have to keep getting my news off Twitter. And I would, I would really recommend um, trying to, well, following Byline Media and Byline TV because the, the whole ethos was that their whole brand was created. I, don't, I shouldn't even call it a brand, I suppose, but the idea behind what they do is as a direct, um, well, a, a t- to offer up something different than what exists right now. I promise yes. I'm not advertising for them. I just think but what it's they fine, do is but really, you know what? really good. It's not advertising if you're, you're not doing it for a corporate benefit. No. It's just word of mouth. We're having a conversation. Yeah. This is how human beings used to talk. We used to be able to discuss <laughs> stuff and I'd be like, that's interesting. Where'd you hear that, Nicola? And you'd go, buy land media, look it for yourself and blah, blah, blah. Whereas <laughs> now in the world of populism, people can say stuff like, yeah, they're using conversion therapy with drag queens reading stories. And then you go, did that really happen? And they go, do your research. I'm entitled to my opinion. So, yeah. well, we have covered a, we have covered an awful lot of stuff in this podcast, uh, listeners. Uh, Dane, uh, what have you made of it? It's been as uh, as good as expected. Um, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast, Nicola. I uh, appreciate you and uh, applaud your courage in standing in these spaces and continuing to. Uh, hold that position and fight the good fight where I know a lot of the time you could be very, in, very, very often uh, seduced by the dark side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, choosing to be a, a Jedi in this world is a, it's a rarity. So it's appreciated by like-minded people. Yeah. Thank you. That really does mean a lot because um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, old, I mean, you've, you've, you know, it as well, you've appeared yeah, yeah. in these spaces and you've met these people and, and felt often the wrath of the audience members who watch it. Um, so yeah, hearing from like-minded people, uh, is a really, really good thing. So I appreciate you and your support. You're not okay. alone out here. That's. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The main th- and that's the thing I think Howard the point is to feel connected and not to be alone that's the point and also that mm-hmm. Tristan Tate is pussy and he can't fight mm. um, <clears throat> thanks for coming on the show Nicola <laughs> uh, Nicola for our, for our listeners and viewers please tell them where you can find out about your good works and where they can catch you fighting the good fight please uh, well I mean you can hear about everything I'm up to on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Nicola Thorpe on Instagram and at Snickerthorpe underscore, I think, on Twitter. Um, and yeah, I am a regular panelist at the moment on Talk TV. I write a column for the Metro and I'm currently working on a true crime series. More details to be released in the future. I, I've got one more thing to say before you go. Uh, I mm. also want to commend you for your work and activism, campaigning so that women do not have to wear heels uh, as a compulsory practice in offices. Um, yes, thank and you. I really that was... I think, 
It's these small things like that, these small incremental changes for the better that will make the difference overall. So thank you for that work as well. Again, you're not alone in this team. Thank you so much. That means an awful lot. Cheers for having me on. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Insanity Group.